0: Hey, everyone. You're listening to Long Story Short, a podcast that provides tactical insight on common challenges faced when building a company or career. I'm your host, Dan Fleming, an investor at Focal Ventures. Every episode, I chat with a founder, operator, or expert to learn how they navigated a decision or challenge. The purpose is to be reliably short and hyper-targeted to keep the conversation narrow, but provide a broad range of perspectives. By focusing on common obstacles, I hope you can borrow insight and help frame your thinking when faced with similar challenges. Let's get into this week's episode. My guest today is Tom Brunskill, co-founder and CEO at Forage. Tom is an extremely thoughtful founder and an all-round great guy. He actually housed one of Folklore's portfolio companies when they moved to the US before they found an apartment in San Fran. In terms of paying it forward, he sets the bar very high. Forage is transforming career discovery, learning and recruitment. Their free open access platform allows students to complete virtual experience programs created by top employers such as JP Morgan and General Electric. Forage recently raised a 25 mil series B led by Blackbird and have over hundred programs live with nearly 2 million candidates enrolled across 200 countries. In this conversation, we narrow in on what Tom describes as the need for Aussie companies to Americanize. Tom speaks candidly on his experience of moving forage to the US pre their series a and shares his insight on the challenges in doing so let's dive in Tom thanks so much for joining me today and for agreeing to be the inaugural guest on the show
1: yes I am uh, very privileged and to be your uh, your your guinea pig your podcast guinea pig <laughs> but um no thank you for having me here today and uh, yeah hope I can uh, share some useful insights for your listeners
0: <laughs> definitely not a guinea pig and hopefully you're in good hands uh, but we'll see how today's episode goes um but to kick things off tom i understand you moved forage to the us in 2018 after getting accepted into y combinator and off the back of that you wrote a really insightful article around the logistics of moving an australian startup to the us and for listeners i'll drop a link to that medium article in the show notes but what I'd really love to hone in today is this point you made around being prepared to Americanize your company. Um, do you mind just sharing what you meant by that?
1: Yeah, for sure. So when when we moved uh, uh, inside Sherpa, as it was at the time, to uh, the US, uh, we had raised capital uh, in Australia. So we had Australian investors, we had like, you know, Australian uh shareholders agreement. Like like most kind of PTY L T D companies, uh we were I guess like our governance, the way that our company uh legally looked was was very Australian. Uh and so yeah, as part of uh being accepted into Y Combinator being the accelerator here uh, in South Bay, uh the requirement was that we actually had to become like a Delaware C Corp company. So we actually had to become like a US entity uh, and uh, basically kind of flip up our company uh, into the US uh, from Australia. And so I think like the, the first thing that struck me was like, I used to be a lawyer. And so I just assumed that, you know, a lot of the things that we had in the australian entity would be similar to what was in the us entity uh but what i learned was that those two things were were very different um and and i think like if i was like summarize what the difference was and and you know we've got fantastic uh, Australian uh, uh, funds that that are investors in Forage, including Navitas Ventures, um, Blackbird, Transition Level Investments. Uh, But if I was to like summarize how uh, that relationship works between companies and uh, investors in Australia, is like the, the, the documentation and the terms are quite parental in nature uh, for, for, for lack of a better uh, lack of a better term, they, they're quite like investor friendly.
0: So jumping out of the conversation, what Tom's about to describe are some of the key investor rights discussed in fundraising rounds, I wanted to give a quick refresher on two key rights that are important, but lesser known, and they are pro rata rights and veto rights. Pro rata rights give investors the right, but not the obligation to maintain their percentage ownership in future rounds. And veto rights, well, there are many different types, but as a high-level guide, they are protective measures that enable investors to prevent certain critical business decisions that have an impact on the value of their investment. For example, exit veto rights enable investors to block certain decisions around the sale of the company.
1: So you typically look at, like, you know, you know. Same with Inside Sherpa in the early days. You typically see board seats given away at a very early stage, like pre-Series A stage of the business. Um, you typically see uh, pro rata rights given to like all early uh, investors. You typically see uh, that investors have. Uh, quite a broad scope when it comes to like veto rights around like the different types of things that the company uh, can and can't do and you typically see that like companies in Australia will do priced rounds um, uh, very early on in their existence rather than using like convertible notes or like safe notes to do rounds which are kind of you know much lighter in terms of the rights and obligations you know the, the way that that governs the relationship between like investors uh and 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 their portfolio company so on one hand in australia you've got like this very like parental regime between uh funds and uh, uh and their companies whereas in the us um it's far more deferential rather than parental uh that's not to say that uh, all the terms are super founder friendly, but you typically don't see early stage investors getting board seats in the u s so you can be raising three four five million dollars in your seed round here in the u s and you're not giving away um a board seat in that situation uh you're not giving you're typically doing those early rounds through safe notes so you're not giving uh investors a whole bunch of like uh, you know, rights that you would typically be giving away for a fraction of the investment, uh, if you're in Australia, um, you're typically not giving pro rata rights away to your early stage investors. And so I think the challenge for us early on was we had actually raised capital, uh, in Australia and then we were becoming an American company and then we were going to Uh, go and raise capital from American investors. And so what we had to do in this process was we basically had to kind of completely reset uh, the rights and obligations and the governance, like the internal governance uh, of, of, of the company. And we really had to bring our investors, our Australian investors along on that journey. Like they were losing, you know, they were basically losing key rights that they had had beforehand. Uh, and ultimately, you know, the, the key for us was to be very open and candid and communicative uh, with our investors and obviously show them that there was a far bigger opportunity here, which was to move to the US, um, you know, we were selling to US enterprises. Uh, and uh, if we were to raise capital in the US, like we had to Americanize uh the governance of the company and americanize the rights of the company uh, and we were very fortunate that our uh, early investors uh, you know were really flexible understanding and saw the upside in that and and you know made it happen uh, so you know you 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 know i hope that that happens with every company uh that moves moves to the us but it's certainly one thing that founders should be aware of is that uh you're going to have to do Alongside with your US legal counsel, you're going to have to do a lot of education uh, with some of your Australian investors uh, in terms of um, letting them know that, you know, if you are to succeed in America, there are things that are done differently here to what they are done in Australia.
0: So pulling on that thread a bit further, you've highlighted a number of differences with regard to governance and rights. Do you think there are any that founders should be hyper-focused on?
1: I mean I I would go as far as it's it's all of it right like it's the architecture of the company needs to be able to be set up to raise from like US US funds and so it's not like like one particular kind of clause provision uh that you should focus on it's really like the, the it, it, it it's really like rebuilding the building rather than you know like making adjustments to like a room over here and a room over there um so 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 i i would yeah i would say that uh you know like pro rata rights aren't unheard of here in the us but certainly you're not like dishing out pro rata rights to like every participant in your seed round certainly you're not giving you sort of certainly you're not giving board seats typically at your um at your seed round uh and i mean because i mean just taking one step back i think like a a key difference between australia and the us and this is even changing a little bit is that very rarely in the us are you ever doing a price round in your seed raise like you're always using a safe note uh and so the architecture of those rights are very different to if you're doing a price round whereas in australia at least this happened to us in the early stages you are doing a price round and so you're having to figure out like what um, you know what funds get what rights, and, and what how does that flow through? Uh, so yeah, I'm not going to like pick a particular clause, and you you, you can kind of lean on your U.S. legal counsel to be the bad guy and be the ones to break it to your uh, Australian investors that you know things are different in the U.S. Uh, but you know there is kind of sweeping changes that you need to make, uh, typically uh, across the board.
0: Interesting. I'd have to agree that price rounds seem to be the more common option locally, and it'll be interesting to see how that potentially changes over time. However, it does sound like it largely depends on where the business is at in their fundraising journey yeah. and what their needs yeah, are. Yeah,
1: that's a really good call out because um, – uh, you know when and and everything that I say is like very specific to inside Sherpa and forage, right like everyone just goes has very unique and different circumstances when we moved over, we were like you know we'd done a really small seed round uh in in Australia, and then we were jumping to y c so we were very early in the piece where it just didn't make sense that we had these like complex burdensome uh quite investor heavy uh uh kind of rights and regime whereas like if you're like you know a series b or series c company uh thinking about flipping to the us i've never done that before i assume that's actually far more complicated than doing it earlier on but that might not be as much of the case because like you may have raised um your series a you know big series a from a big australian fund where it is appropriate that you have uh, kind of more investor-friendly rights and um, it's it's more, you know, parental uh, in, in nature. Uh, so, so, yeah, I, I would kind of caveat what I'm saying by when we moved over, it was in that pre-Series A uh, space.
0: Got it. Got it. That makes sense. So, Tom, we've covered quite a bit of ground in a short space of time to wrap things up, what would be your number one piece of advice or final piece of guidance for founders who are building an early stage company, but want to embark on this journey and, and make a successful transition over to the US?
1: Yeah. So I think like the first question you've got to ask yourself is, I like, do I need to move the company to the US? I think that's changed even in the time that we moved to the US. Uh, When we moved to the US, uh, most funds required that you're a Delaware C Corp in order to like invest in your company. Uh, Whereas now I'm kind of hearing more and more that particularly with COVID and just the distribution and abundance of capital, you know, across the world, uh that that's like less so the case so like you can be an australian pty lcd company and and raise from uh international funds i would still say that it's infinitely more easy if you are a delaware c corp company but yeah the first question you have to ask yourself is like why do you want to move to the us now in our situation we wanted to rate we were going into yc so we had to rate we had to uh become a delaware c corp but also we primarily we're headquartered substantively headquartered uh in the u.s uh and we're, we sell to u.s enterprises and when you're contracting with u.s enterprises it certainly helps uh being a u.s entity rather than an australian entity um but, but yeah you, you really got to figure out like whether you need to move to the u.s first once you've like answered that question The next thing you've got to do is like, how do I actually move my company to the US? And so nothing I should, nothing I say should be deemed as professional advice. Um, and so if there's one thing that you, you should take away from this conversation is like, you've got to go off and get professional advice. And professional advice for us was, uh, US legal advice, uh, US tax advice. Uh, Australian tax advice, particularly if you have existing shareholders in your Australian entity, uh, and um, uh, uh, Australian kind of commercial uh, advice as well. Uh, so they're like the four professional advisors uh, that we used, uh, and the whole process ended up taking, let's say, almost three months. Uh, but whatever you're kind of factoring into that transition to the US, you should assume it's going to take longer than you thought it was. It's like building a house. Like uh, it take it always takes longer than you actually think it's going to take. And it's also going to be more costly than you think it's going to take. Um, you know, a lot of the US law firms will do kind of deals with you where they'll defer their legal fees uh, and whatnot to your kind of series A, if you're like an interesting company. Uh, but you should also also factor that, that cost is probably on the skinny end gonna be somewhere between like 35 and 50K uh, to, to, to really move over uh, to the US. So yeah, I think my advice is like, make sure you've got solid reasons to move your company to the US and then invest in professional advice uh, to get you over to the US. And then, you know, thirdly, assume that it's gonna take longer than you anticipate and it's gonna cost more than you thought. Uh, And then the final piece of advice, which I've already mentioned, is make sure you're very communicative and um, uh, open and honest with your investors because you're going to need their support and you've got to really bring them along the journey uh, as, as you kind of go through that transition.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Tom. That's all we have time for today. Really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me and for being the first guest on the show hope to have you back on again sometime soon.
1: Thank you, Dan. Great to be here and looking forward to uh, listening to the other guests that uh, pop up on uh, the podcast.
0: Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and you can follow the journey and related content on Twitter using my handle at Doing Things